This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. Here you go. Here you go. Thank you. Merci beaucoup. Gracias. Obrigado. Those are the words of the day on Friday, March 24th, 2023. Another palindrome. Thank you. I have an announcement to make. I've been planning this so well. I had everything set with Coca, everything in line for us to join Dan Lebetard and Metal Arc Media. It's been a long time coming. It's been the most insane negotiation of all time. Not most insane. You know what? Why even start with hyperbole when there's no need for it? It was a ridiculous negotiation that lasted a really long time. Coke and I started this show on October 14th of 2019. It's called Nothing Personal because Coca came up with the name. I handpicked Coca from a list of producers. I had worked with him on a few different appearances I had made at CBS. And when asked if I would start a show and I said, yeah, if I can have a producer I want, and I wanted Coca. So he came up with the name and we started developing this show back in before October of 2019. We did a bunch of rehearsals that both sucked or all of them did. And then we just started. And here we are on show 780 of regular shows. And for the last long number of months, We've been thinking about what to do with nothing personal to continue to grow it because you have led to the amazing growth and success of nothing personal. It's you, it's Coca, it's all of you, the audience. I am here, I get wound up every day for 45 minutes. I tell you things that are in my head and my heart that Coca will allow me to talk about. I talk about things that are meaningful to me that I hope are meaningful to you. And at the end of the day, I wanted to be part of a network, of a company, of a bullpen of shows and people whose creative interests and juices would be complementary to mine. I loved my time at CBS on the podcast side, and I'm not leaving CBS. I'm still going to be an MLB analyst. You'll still, still see me on CBS Sports HQ, CBS Sports Net. I will still be talking about business stories with CBS, but at Metalark, with nothing personal, Coke and I are going to have a way to grow the show in a way that just was not available at CBS. And that is not in any way telling you that I'm, we're upset. We are leaving on great terms. As a matter of fact, it's going so well 
in terms of the cooperation between Meadowlark and CBS that yesterday's show after the announcement on the Levitard show, which by the way, was ridiculous. But after that, the show was actually in the Meadowlark feed and it wasn't supposed to start until Monday in the Meadowlark feed, but they're all getting along and there's no ill will, no hard feelings. But the introduction was supposed to be at Meadowlark, a conversation with Dan during the local hour where he was going to talk about that which nothing personal would be, would be, could be, why he wanted it, what the benefit was of bringing on Coca. By the way, for all of you who are interested, and so many of you reached out on Twitter at David P. Sampson, at Instagram at David P. Sampson, so many of you asked about Coca. Let me be clear. There were offers to take nothing personal elsewhere that did not include Coca because they said, hey, we've got our own producers. We don't need to onboard a producer. And I said, no, there is no chance toilet pants that there is nothing personal without Matthew Coca, period. So let's move on. So during the announcement yesterday, instead of being booed by everybody in the room, which the irony of that and of being the villain and being the heel and all the things that I know I am because of who I used to be, there is no opportunity for some people in, at Metal Arts who understand that nothing personal in the content that we bring is completely different than what my life used to be. The evolution of my career has been noteworthy in my mind because the part I played running the Marlins is different than the part I played while on Wall Street or the part I played in college or law school versus the part I play now. And the part I play now is as close to the genuine me as possible. I am completely an open book, much to the, I had a difficult time yesterday to tell you the truth, which I always do about this sort of thing, where all of you were commenting and trying to talk to me and I wanted to respond to everyone and I got to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people, but I can't go to bed with the red numbers on my phone. So I'm up till four in the morning, three, four in the morning, looking and reading and responding and then thinking about today's show because the commitment we have to you is this show not only continues and on Monday, we're fully Metal Arc audio and video. Today, I think we're audio Metal Arc and video CBS. I'm not exactly sure because I'm not the technical guy. I'm the wind me up and let's talk about topics guy. But I am thankful to CBS. I am thankful to Metal Arc. But above all of that, it's you. It's the audience, and we are going to keep going every day, five days a week starting Monday. We are going to be live at 8 a.m., not three days a week, five days a week, Monday through Friday. You will see this mug at 8 a.m., 45 minutes, taking you behind the scenes, telling you things that people are not talking about, not thinking about, not understanding. As a matter of fact, the thing that's on my mind at the moment that people are not understanding, if one more person says anything in the media about how bad the WBC was because of injuries and look at Adam Wainwright, the starting pitcher for game seven of the World Baseball Classic, the final, the semifinal game, that'd be game six, I guess. You know, when you're live and you can't edit, I think Metalark has said to me that when we're live from 8 to 845, that we'll have the ability to, you know, wipe in the middle of a live show. Yeah, I doubt it, actually. Adam Wainwright pitched the semifinal game. He was in the weight room, and he hurt his groin. He's out for a couple of weeks. He's on the DL. IL. Damn it. 
So it just furthers the narrative that if you get hurt and you were a part of the WBC, A plus B equals C by the transference property. That's not what it's called. Did I really forget what this is, Coca? What's it called when one plus two equals three? And two, the transitive property, thank you. The transitive property of injury, if you're in the WBC and you get hurt, that means you got hurt because of the WBC. Not exactly correct. I really don't like the amount of time players spend in the weight room. And this goes back 10, 15 years. And this is, when you were doing steroids, you wanted to be in the weight room because that's what makes the steroids work even better. It's in complement complementing your workout routine. When you're not taking steroids, you want to be in the weight room because you think it's the strength that you need to hit home runs or to throw 98 miles an hour. And I appreciate players wanting to be in shape. I absolutely do. John Smoltz, during the broadcast on Fox or FS1, sadly, said 20 years ago, when someone got hit, Sasaki got hit by a comebacker and he got hit right in the stomach and it sort of bounced off like it hit a wall. And Smoltz said 20 years ago, that really wouldn't have hurt as much because it would have landed softly inside a pillow. And it is true. Players are in better shape right now. The needs physically for players to get through a season without greenies, without amphetamines, without steroids, it's definitely harder. That's why you are seeing more and more injuries. But all of that said, Gnug, stop telling me that the players are hurt because they're in the WBC. Here's what we could do. And I guess it's possible to do because we better cancel the WBC going forward for sure because who's going to want to play in it if you're just going to get hurt. But I guess if you're the Phillies, send your players to the WBC where you've got five, six, and seven in the lineup, Schwarber, JT Turner, and JT Realmuto. But don't play spring training games where Reese Hoskins has a non-contact knee injury, torn ACL, see you later. So we can't play the WC. We can't play spring training. I think we should skip the regular season like we do in basketball. That's our way we're going to deal with load management from a previous show. Skip the regular season, play a few tournaments, and get to the playoffs. I think baseball will do the same thing. We'll skip the regular season. We'll definitely skip spring training. Skip the regular season, and we'll keep everyone in the John Travolta plastic bubble, and we'll go right to the playoffs. And we'll just draw names out of a hat to see who wins divisions and who's seated where. Injuries are a part of the game. I spent years studying how to stop injuries, how to curtail them. Baseball spends so much money doing studies and trying to explain to owners and presidents in owners meetings how to not spend so much money on players who are injured. Because in baseball, when you're injured, you get paid. When you stink, you get paid. When you're released on a guaranteed contract, you get paid. No matter what, you get paid. Very motivating to players to play their best and to play through injuries. Very motivating knowing that either way you get paid. Now, there have been many players, and those are the players I love, a player like an A.J. Ramos. He'll go out there and doesn't matter what's hurting. We used to have Andre Dawson talk to the players and say, gentlemen, get out there and play. Get out of the training room. Back in my day, I went out with no knees, couldn't even touch my toes or feel my shoulder, and I went to play. Of course, the money wasn't as good. So my solution is keep people in a bubble. Don't play any games. Are you, you know what? 
I wanted to say something else, Coca, and I think I'm going to do something. Coca brought up a player who retired yesterday, and he said to me a very funny thing. He was upset that Jed Lowry thanked the Mets as part of his retirement speech. He played like he got $14 million, had seven at-bats, something ridiculous like that. And Coca was upset about that. Why are you thanking the Mets and the Mets fans when you stole from the Mets? Do you think Jed Lowry signed there knowing he was hurt, purposefully got the money knowing he wasn't going to play? Do you think players hide their injuries to get free agent contracts and then get them and then get hurt and don't play? And conversely, when they're about to be free agents, they have the best years of their career or they do a little run of steroids to have great numbers and then get signed and then get healthy in terms of being off steroids and then don't produce. Do you think players would ever do that? Do you think executives would ever fall for that? Oh my God, we fall for it all the time. We assume with such great recency bias that what happened yesterday is definitely going to happen tomorrow. And we're wrong every time. And the player, you know what, not every time. We're wrong almost every time. And the commissioner will stand up in a meeting and say, idiots, look at the amount of money you're wasting. And they'll put up the contracts. They actually, in owners' meetings, will put up slides with the names of players where they signed, what their contract was, and the amount of money they got paid for being on the injured list or the amount of money they got paid for sucking. When that happens, the irony is that <laughs> the owners sort of stand there and they're looking at their phones and they're pretending not to pay attention. And the team presidents are looking up there and they're looking at their phones saying, oh my God, I'm gonna get fired. Oh my God, I'm gonna get fired. This is horrible. And the commissioner's office is at the front of the of the room and they're saying, this is great. I think we're getting through to people this time. I would talk to Dan Hallam after a meeting and he'd say, I think everyone's got it now. And he'd say, no, nah, I don't think they do. And I'd say, no, no, that was so convincing. I'm never signing a guy again to a bad contract. Not gonna do it. Sure as day following night, the week after, you know, hello, Jared Saltalamacchia. <laughs> what an idiot I am. I wonder why I don't get more thank you notes. Do you think the Mets got a thank you note from Jed Lowry for giving him 14 million for seven at-bats? Two million an at-bat? Just curious. Do you think that the New Orleans Pelicans, do you think that they get a note from Zion saying, man, I'm so sorry, I'm hurt all the time. Thank you so much for the 200 million bucks. I appreciate you, my family appreciates you. I'm gonna go start, if you don't mind, a home gym company. Now you'll get that in a few minutes. March is always a difficult time for Major League Baseball teams and for owners. I don't wanna say that owners have a tough life, they don't, but they're not used to being in public until they own a team. They're not used to being criticized. They're not used to having anything not go the way they want it. They're used to throwing money at a problem and having it work to throw money at a problem. That's how they fix things. In baseball, it doesn't quite work that way. And when March comes along and the season's starting, there are two things that owners are focused on. They're looking at their team on the field coming out of spring training. They are looking at projections. They are watching MLB networks. They can call the commissioner and yell at him about MLB network, not giving them enough time, not giving them enough column inches or seconds in a show, not promoting their team or their product enough. They watch the commercials that MLB network does. And they say, my team only got one clip of two seconds and the Yankees have nine seconds. 
that happens. Trust me, every single thing I just said happens. It's not unlike the players who are looking at the Jumbotron during the psych up video and then coming to me after the game and say, dude, I'm not even in there. Yeah, that happens too. So in March, they're getting ready for that. And the second thing they're getting ready for is the Forbes valuations. So my name is David Sampson. And as president of the Marlins, I would speak to the media every day following the Forbes valuations being reported. And I would look into the camera and I would say, the Forbes people have no idea what they're talking about. They have no information. They don't have our financials. Baseball teams are worth exactly what someone will pay for them. They assign zero value to the ego premium, to the reality that there are only 30 franchises, to the number of people who want to be in the room where it happens. They do none of that. These valuations mean nothing. Meanwhile, that's me to the camera. I get off camera, phone rings. Where are the Marlins? Where are the Expos? We were in Montreal. Where are the Marlins? It's ridiculous, David. Work harder. Get the value of the team up. But Jeffrey, this has nothing to do with reality. Don't worry. We're worth more than this. I promise. Let me show you what we can sell the Marlins for because I guarantee you I can get some schmuck to give way more than what is written in Forbes. No, you won't. I swear to you, I will. I promise. Give me the chance. Knock on the door, 2016. All right, David, 2017, whatever, the early 17. This is your chance. Go to it. About 10 months later, you got Derek Jeter and Bruce Sherman paying $1.2 billion for the Marlins. And the Forbes valuations came out yesterday. And the Marlins are 30th out of 30 worth $1.0 million. What do you think the first thing I did is? Just do you know me well enough? What would I have done first? Let me give you a hint. It goes something like this. Hi, Jeffrey, it's David. Did you see the Forbes valuation? It's 1.0 six years after the deal that you got for 1.2. How great did we do? How great did you do? Isn't that amazing? No, no. I know I mentioned that Forbes valuations don't matter, but I've totally changed my mind. They've totally changed the way they do it. It totally means something. <laughs> do you know what the Forbes valuation was in 2017? 940 million. And I said to Jeffrey, we'll beat it. I promise you. We crushed it. Do you know what people would spend for the Marlins right now? About 940 million. I'm not laughing at Bruce Sherman and Derek Jeter. I'm really not. Bruce, I just, you shouldn't have listened to Derek. It was pretty much that easy. It wasn't Derek's money. You shouldn't have let him convince you that the team was going to make money on an operating basis because it wasn't. Now, why am I mentioning operating income? I am because Forbes does something that does drive me crazy. They put values on teams. They valued the Yankees at $7 billion. They valued the Dodgers at $4 billion, all the way down to the Marlins at $1 billion. But in addition, they do something that is meant to inflame. When you write down what profit a team has, it is inflammatory. 
So when you say that the Oakland A's profited $62.2 million in 2022, what people say is, then why isn't the A's payroll $62 million greater? The Giants profited $75 million. Why not increase the payroll? Spend more on Judge. Offer him $600 million and not $400 million. Tell Turner, you don't want San Diego or Philly. Come to the city by the bay. Because when the lights go on in this city, you're going to be rich. Can I just explain for those of you who may not know, and that's okay. I mean, it's people don't know this. What Forbes is reporting is operating income. Operating income does not include, it doesn't include necessarily a concept of EBITDA. There is something called depreciation, amortization. There's something called interest expenses. Interest expenses, I want to give you an analogy that Coke is not going to like, but it's very, very simple. When you borrow money to buy your home or you borrow money to use a credit card, you then get a bill. It's a mortgage payment is what you call it. The mortgage payment is something called principal and interest. If you borrow $100,000 and your interest rate is 10%, let's say you have to pay it back the next year, that means you owe $110,000. That's 10% of $100,000. Then you get a bill at the end of the year. The bill, because your mortgage is due, let's say it's a one-year mortgage, is for $110,000. $100,000 is the principal, $10,000 is the interest. Let me ask you a question, do you care? Do you care that it's 110, 100 of principal, 10 of interest? Or do you know that you have to write a check for $110,000? So you better sell your house after the year for more than $110,000, or you're going to have to put in extra money into the pot. Pretty clear, right? Baseball teams borrow money. When they borrow money, that's like taking a mortgage. When you borrow money, you pay interest. Interest is due. That's called debt service. Interest is due every year, much like with your mortgage payment, where you're paying mostly interest every year, if it's a balloon type of mortgage, or you're paying a percentage of interest and a percentage of principal every year to get the principal amount of your debt down and pay the interest. In baseball, when teams borrow money, they're paying IO, interest only, because the view is when your five-year deal runs out, like a five-year mortgage, you'll renegotiate the debt and you'll just keep paying interest. But what happens in your checking account when you pay interest? It goes down. If you borrow a hundred million dollars and you pay 5% interest, that means you have to write a check for $5 million per year. Do we agree with that? If you borrow a hundred at 5%, after a year, you owe $5 million. But if you only pay $5 million, then you still have $100 million of debt. And the next year, you're paying another $5 million. That $5 million has to come from somewhere. If operating your team, which means you add up all the money that you get in ticket sales, in food, in merchandise, all the revenue you get in TV revenue, national broadcast revenue, local broadcast revenue, any other revenue that the stadium generates, any other revenue anywhere. Add up all that revenue and then subtract your expenses. Your expenses are what it costs to run your building. That means to physically run your building, 
from an employee standpoint, which is all your payroll, to run your company, which is all the expenses of player development, all of your sales expenses, all of the expenses. Add them all up. And if they don't cover the revenue that you get from operating your building, then you have an operating loss. If you add them all up and all your expenses are less than the revenue I just described, you have an operating income. However, the difference between the operating income and the operating expenses, let's say it costs you $10 million to operate your house and it costs you $5 million if you stop Coca. If you get $10 million in your business of revenue, people buy $10 million worth of stuff and it costs you $5 million to deliver that good to your client. You have an operating profit of $5 million, easy math. But what if you borrowed money to start your company and you owe $6 million in interest? All of a sudden, you're down a million dollars. All of that is to say, that when you look at profit of a team, you have to examine it way more closely than Forbes does because they don't have the ability to because they don't have the numbers. There is interest. There is depreciation, which is a whole nother topic for another show, maybe with Skipper. The sporting class coming to you from Metal Arc soon. But on top of that, you also have to look at how teams make their money. Last year was a very good example of something called one-time revenue hits to the upside. When you sell an asset, let's say that you have a piece of memorabilia that's worth $10,000 and you're holding it and you say, look, I've got a $10,000 jersey. When you sell that jersey, you get $10,000 immediately. Forget the taxes, you get $10,000. Do you say to yourself, wow, I can now live as though I have $10,000 more? Or do you say to yourself, this is the only time because you can only sell the asset once, I get the $10,000, I'm not gonna get $10,000 next year, so I better not buy something where I have to pay $10,000 every year for it. Because next year, where am I gonna get the 10K from? Baseball had several of these streams of revenue this year. One of them was they sold the rest of ML BAM. That was a one-time revenue of $30 million that these teams got. The strike fund was distributed back to the teams. That happens after a CBA is signed. All of these things make a team feel as though they're richer than they are, makes them go out and sign players because they say, hey, that was cool. I've got all this money but where's it gonna come from next year? That's a story we're gonna follow because while you think payrolls are going up this year, let's see what happens next year. So for all the teams who are looking at Forbes and all the valuations, all I can say is Samson and Coca are available to get you way more for your team than what Forbes says it's worth. All right, when we come back, we're gonna review a movie about a plane crash. And yes, it's, MH370, it's really quite something. And then we're gonna talk about Lamar Jackson and we're gonna ask Lamar a simple question on nothing personal. What the hell are you doing? We'll be right back. 
The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. Through the first round of the NBA playoffs, it's still all about the Celtics and the Nuggets. Will it be a likely matchup between the two powerhouses for the NBA championship? You can bet on the Celtics to beat the Nuggets at plus 400, or the Nuggets to beat the Celtics at plus 425, right now. And if you're new to DraftKings, you gotta check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SAMSON. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SAMSON. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. For those of you watching live on YouTube, that was a Showtime commercial. Showtime is owned by Viacom CBS. I don't think we're going to have CBS commercials in the middle of our show starting Monday, are we, Coca? You're going to have to get a whole new set of commercials for Metalark, who's going to monetize nothing personal. Yes, they are. For those of you listening, I have no idea what you may have just heard. Because I don't know if it's Metal Art commercials. I don't know if it's CBS commercials. I don't know. But Monday, everything will be fully Metal Art. I promise. Maybe. Although I have nothing to do with that. Again, wind me up. I'll talk for 45 minutes. MH3. <clears throat> Four, seven, six, nine. MH370, The Plane That Disappeared, is a documentary that I watched. It's either got three or four episodes, I can't remember. Remember the plane, the Malaysian airliner that was on the radar and then was off the radar and disappeared and no one found it and no one knows what happened. And there was some debris that was found on some remote beaches in some places by some mind hunter or some skilled guy who looks for debris. The line that went on from the Malaysian government, the insane cover-ups that were happening. Is it the pilot? Is it not the pilot? Did he put the the airplane in the ground? Did it land at some sub base in Russia? Did the US shoot it down? Did someone else shoot it down? What the hell happened? How does a plane just disappear? For those of you who've been around, there have been planes that have been shot out of the sky before. For those of you who've been around, there are planes that crash because of pilot error, because of technical products liability issues. There have been planes that have been, it's, it's, a, it's a problem. The thing about this documentary that got me into it is my absolute obsession with plane crashes, Fearless being my number one movie of all time. And the reason for it, obviously, is the tragedy that happened in my family. And my reaction to it has been to immerse myself in plane crashes where other people's reaction has been to not fly or to not think about it or to pretend it doesn't happen. I fly and just imagine every time I'm on a plane, this is great work with a therapist, but I imagine just, all right, I am totally calm because this plane's going to crash. And then I get pleasantly surprised whenever it lands. On the other hand, I view myself a little like Popeye. What are the odds? 
Is there really a chance that there'll be two crashes in the family? Probably not, but I'm not going to get cocky. It is heartbreaking to watch this documentary to see what these families went through. And believe me, I understand it. I not only can sympathize with it, but it's one of the very few areas where I can have empathy. Very few. I'm working on that as well. I think that if you are scared, don't watch it. If you are interested in learning something, watch it. If you want to help be informed as to what you should think about what governments are doing and what they're not doing, then watch it. If you are under the belief that the government is not doing anything behind the scenes and that you know everything going on in government, don't watch it because you're not going to believe it anyway. If you are one of those, and I don't mean a conspiracy theorist, who understands how complicated governing is and all the different things that you have to keep in mind, and sometimes there are what's called casualties of war, watch it. Make a decision for yourself. It's called MH370, the plane that disappeared. Do you know there are people who work in all the leagues like NFL and MLB and NBA, and they work in the commissioner's office, and they're the MPs, not military police. They are the memo people. Memo people are very important people. Memo people are those who are actually able to put three sentences together to make a paragraph. They don't write with LOL or LMFAO. They actually write in complete sentences, mostly with a law degree, some with a business degree, no one with an English degree, but spell check they use and occasionally they get the sentence structure right. But their job is to communicate from the commissioner's office to the teams whenever there's something to do. Call back to previous episode. I don't know, maybe two or three weeks ago, I told you about all the different memos that come out of baseball that some go to presidents, some owners, some GMs, et cetera. You got to figure out who to send it to. NFL sent out a memo yesterday that was a classic. Here's the backstory. Lamar Jackson is the quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens, who's on the non-exclusive franchise tag, which means that he's going to get $30 million a year to either play or not play football, depending on his injuries. And on top of that, he has an opportunity to sign an offer sheet with any team he wants because he's an unrestricted free, a, a sort of a restricted free agent is what I would call it. He can sign a offer sheet with any team and then the Ravens can match it or let him go and get two first round picks. All right. Sounds good. Lamar Jackson has said to you, agent, I don't need an agent. And I've said to you, you're right. Pay a lawyer by the hour and you're good. The players union not only has players who pay dues, but all players unions are also in the business of certifying player representatives. And that is no easy certification process. Not any Tom, Dick, or Harry. I have no idea the provenance of that expression. Not any Larry Mower Curly can become an agent. You actually have to go through a certification process, which includes filling out your name, social security number, copy of a birth certificate, driver's license, and can you fog up a mirror? Come on, I'm not being mean to Asians. There's like 10% of them I really like. It's not easy to be an agent, I've told you that. It's just hard to deal with them. Now, my agents, on the other hand, they do way more than fog up a mirror. I just don't exactly know what that is, but it's 10% worth. Is that gonna stay in the show, Coca? No, I love UTA. I'm totally loyal to UTA. 
There's a guy named Jerry Silbowitz. Look him up, Google him. The top agent for people in the business that I am in. And I would not be at Metalark without him. <laughs> I wouldn't be anywhere without you, Jerry. And here's the best part. I'm not leaving you. And I'm not renegotiating the 10%. It's yours. We're going to keep going. 10% of a little is a little. 10% of a lot is a lot. So our interests are supposed to be aligned. So take the damn call, Jerry. McGuire. Criminies. Show me the money. You say we're fighting. I say we're communicating. Nah, come on. Stay with me. Lamar Jackson has no agent. I'm good with that. But the NFL memo people had to send a memo yesterday saying there is an imposter. I like imposter syndrome. I'm very familiar with it. If you don't know what imposter syndrome is, look it up. It's when you can't believe you are who you are and you believe that everyone's going to realize that you don't know anything about that, which you're doing. And therefore, you're just simply an imposter. I've had imposter syndrome since I was winning athletic competitions in sixth grade as a short kid. But I was. That's a story for another time, Coca. I can out-athlete almost anybody in any sport that is not an actual sport. That's my claim to fame. Ping pong, I got you. Darts, pool, dodgeball. Just don't get me on a basketball court because I'm short and I can't hit 80 or 85 or 90 or 75. So this guy named Ken Francis is apparently a business partner of Lamar Jackson's who's apparently calling teams and saying, hi, my name's Ken. I'm calling not on behalf of Lamar because I'm not his agent, but I'd like you to know how good Lamar could be with your team. Do you have any interest in signing him to a offer sheet? And teams would say, I'm not talking to you. Who the hell are you? Lamar doesn't have an agent. But the MPs at the NFL had to send a memo saying, if you get a call from a Ken Francis or from anyone who is not a certified agent of the NFLPA, you are not forbidden you are forbidden to talk to that person. You may not negotiate with that person. You may not speak to that person. You will be fined in any deal that you make with the player. Having spoken to this uncertified, non-certified person, that deal will be null and void and you will lose the player. You don't have to tell me twice. I barely want to talk to the agents who call when I know they're the agents of the players. I'd rather deal straight with the players. This guy, Ken Francis, had to actually go out and go public and say, hey, listen, I don't speak for Lamar. I'm not that guy. Okay. You don't speak for Lamar, then why are you calling teams? You're his business partner in some ridiculous home gym company or track gym company or travel gym company. Coca, show me the commercial for it. It's called the entire gym. It's like a joke. It's a commercial done by four-year-olds. So the memo says to people under league rules, only speak with Lamar Jackson. Do you think that teams need to hear from an agent to know whether they want to sign Lamar Jackson to an offer sheet? Hey, Lamar, let me give you a piece of advice. Don't call anyone. They'll call you. If they want you, they'll call you. If they don't want you, they won't call you. They know you don't have an agent. They're not going to speak to anyone else. And anyone else you have speak to them is not going to convince them that they're scouting you wrong. If I were you, I would have someone call the teams off the record. But it should be. Dr. Rosenrosen, the doctor should be calling the teams and saying, you know, Lamar's been hurt, but I got to tell you, he's totally healthy now. I've been looking at him and monitoring him, and he's been working out in the entire gym three times a day, and you are going to get a player who's going to play all 17 games. I can promise you that. Book it. Click. Who is that? Oh, my God, we're going to sign him. 
Let's give him $230.1 million because we just heard from the doctor that he's not going to be hurt. And screw Haslam and screw Watson. Jackson's way better. We got this. It's like a joke. The MPs are active. Baseball MPs, NFL MPs. I wonder what the next memo is going to be in the NFL. We like to announce that Lamar Jackson has been traded. Nope, not happening. The Charlotte Hornets stink. Plus seven against the Pelicans. I thought I had it well at halftime. We're 42 and 40. That pick of the day was terrible. So I'm watching the NCAA last night. And I had to confirm with Coca that FAU, I think it's called Florida Atlantic University, which is a South Florida university or is it Central Florida? Somewhere. I know FAU from my time in Florida. They're one win away from the final four. Is that really possible? That's pretty amazing. They've been good all year. Oh, it's in Boca? Thank you, Coca. That means I've driven by it. I wonder if I've given any speeches on the campus of FAU. I know I've gone down to FIU. It's all very confusing in Florida. There's A's, there's I's, there's E's, there's O's, there's U's, UF. Anyway, congratulations. I definitely love Cinderella stories when they're Cinderella stories. FAU has been one of the best teams in the country all year. They're not a Cinderella story. They're just a story. It's a good story. Tonight's game, Alabama's trying to get to the Elite Eight. Everybody's rooting for Alabama. Who wouldn't be? They are a program above reproach. They do everything right. Nick Saban's all in on them. Nick Saban, I think, gave the pep talk to the Alabama basketball team. Here's the pep talk. Stay in your rooms for crying out loud. Alabama's favored by a touchdown, 0.5, over San Diego State. Alabama's going to win. Alabama, seven and a half over San Diego State is the Friday pick of the day. I can't pick the Saturday games right now or the Sunday games. So you only get a Friday pick. Okay. Something's going on in the NHL that requires some attention right now, please. What's going on in the NHL is that all of these different teams had pride nights and it's been an absolute disaster in every way. Players were supposed to wear pride jerseys as part of the pregame skate, as part of pride night to show inclusivity. And many of them have not done it. And we've seen statements from players galore talking about their Christian beliefs, talking about how inclusive they are, whether it's James Reamer of the San Jose Sharks, whether it is now the Stahl brothers of the Panthers. They gave a quote yesterday, the Panthers, the Florida Panthers in Miami. Well, they're in Broward, but South Florida. I understand why the Panthers are doing a pride night. You're trying to increase your attendance. You're trying to go to a demographic that may not be going to hockey games that exists where you are because that demographic is everywhere as it should be because people are more and more comfortable as long as they're not in Uganda. They're more and more comfortable being who they are. Thank God. Be who you are. Live and let live. I'm not going to poo-poo on anybody's religion. You want to be religious? Fine. You want to get answers to the unanswerable questions? Be my guest. You want to believe in things that are hard to prove and can't be proven wrong? Great. Go for it. You want to tell me that you live by a certain code of conduct, that you don't drink, you don't eat this kind of food, that kind of food, that you live this kind of lifestyle, not that kind of lifestyle? Great. Do it. But don't pretend that you're tolerant. 
That makes me angry. The Stahl brothers with the Panthers had a whole quote about their tolerance. After many thoughts, prayers, and discussions, we have chosen not to wear a Pride Night jersey tonight. I prefer you to be talking about how the Panthers can get to the playoffs, but hey, that's just me. We carry no judgments on how people choose to live their lives and believe that all people should be welcome in all aspects of the game of hockey. And here's where it went off the rails. Having said that, that's an alliteration. That means that what everything that comes before having said that is a bunch of horse hockey. So just watch for that verbal tick when you're talking. Hey, you know, I really have enjoyed my relationship with you and my time with you. Having said that, it's time to go. What I'm really saying is, holy Christ, am I happy to be leaving. Having said that, and that's not what I'm talking about with CBS because I'm not leaving CBS, so don't read into that CBS. Do you hear me? Because it's not true. You had every opportunity to keep nothing personal and you never know, our paths may cross again. Having said that, the Stahl brothers continued, we feel that by us wearing a pride jersey, it goes against our Christian beliefs. I wonder if that's true. Is that what Christianity stands for? To not be tolerant, to not be inclusive, to not acknowledge that not everyone is gonna be like you are and that if everyone is not like you are, then you cannot count them? Wow, that sounds a lot like you live in Germany. They're not the only team. The Blackhawks have had issues. The Sharks had issues. The San Jose Sharks had to release an entire statement to make up for the fact that one of their players went a little off the rails in his description of why he wouldn't wear a pride jersey. So the Sharks did what the Tampa Bay Rays did last year. You know, in we just wanted everyone to realize how inclusive we are. So we're going to change our whole game broadcast. It's all going to be about issues that are important. <laughs> I don't know. Here's my thing about LGBTQ issues as well as so many others when it comes to players. If you know that you have a problem in your clubhouse and you know that it's going to be a distraction, find another way to show your commitment. Don't highlight the players who are intolerant. Don't highlight the players who hide behind their piety. Don't hide behind the players who are going to have to speak to the media or when they don't, then other players are going to have to speak to the media. Find another way to be supportive, not by devoting one broadcast to LGBTQ plus issues and giving stats and trying to make people feel better. Criminy, we did heritage nights for Cuba and for Dominican and Venezuela. We did Jewish heritage night, anything for a group sale. Don't make LGBTQ a group sales issue. Don't make religion a group sales issue. The way we act and the things we do should inform who we are and the type of people we want to associate with. I don't give character assessments to players when they get signed or traded for. We'll do our homework as best as we can. But I'm interested at the time what a player stands for on the court, staying on the court, staying on the field, winning on the field. But there is so much squeeze and so little juice when you've got players who are so out front in issues that truly are going to cost you. So the NHL is going to say to themselves, you know what? It's enough. No more pride nights. Wait to see when I tell you something's going to happen. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. 
There's going to be no more scheduled pride nights next year in the NHL. It's simply not going to be worth it. Instead, you will have teams with initiatives. You will have teams with marketing initiatives, sales initiatives. You will have teams through their community foundations show a level of inclusivity that they should show. But a scheduled pride night with pride jerseys that causes this level of distraction, no more. Well, that's it. That's the end of another week. And that's it with this show being a part of the CBS podcast family. Thank you again to CBS. Without you, there would be no nothing personal. Without you, there would be no me and Coca. But at the end of the day, it's just business. So we're off to Metalark. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.